0: Scott, Barbara, and Skender from the Medtech Experts are here today at the Medtech Business Academy. On this episode, we'll be discussing what's happening, topics such as labor budgets in the hospital and their effect on Medtech. Staff and facilities are newer, younger, and travelers. What you need to do to support these clinicians is drastically different than just a few years ago, and meeting the clinicians where they are or being an advisor will make an impact. Now, on to today's episode.
1: Welcome back, MedTech experts. I'm Scott Alexander, your host today for the MBA podcast here with uh, MedTech Business Academy. Uh, Joining me is, as always, the fabulous Barbara Strain, and the moderately impressive, no, super handsome, (laughs) standard D'Arte, New Jersey's finest. Um, So we're. We're, we're bringing you in uh to talk about some news that's going on and and uh folding that into a broader topic about sort of where businesses are and, and life cycles and that sort of thing. So really excited about getting into this topic. Um Barbara, you wanted to kick us off with some thoughts that you'd had. You wanna, you wanna get going?
2: Yes, this is sort of like what's going on right now. Um it kind of sets the tone. Um from a provider's point of view, here are the things that I heard even up till this morning. So this is uh, pretty uh, you know, late, uh, breaking news, but what a lot of providers are going through. So they're still having staffing issues and can't really retain employees, so they're constantly recruiting, and that's just eating away at labor budgets. So what does that have to do with MedTech? couple of things. One is it maybe starts to eat away at maybe you're not buying supplies or looking at new supplies because we can't afford to. We got to bolster up the side of the business. So that's one thing to look at. The other thing is it may mean that Procedures are deferred or some sort of care gets deferred. So your products aren't being bought or you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm in like the final stages of going to market for these things. The other thing that's really uh, wearing down on um, providers is there are still critical disruptions in a variety of products. So we're way beyond PPE and stuff from. COVID and we're into meat and potatoes things that they need every single day. So I think that leads into market strategies. What are they? What do we really do? Hey, hey Barbara, are there particular products or categories that you're
1: finding are stocked out that are surprising or that people should be aware of?
2: Uh, Well, a lot of pediatric categories whether they're ET tubes, uh, uh, respiratory supplies, catheters of different small sizes, pediatrics gets hit hard in a lot of these uh, because they're like low loss leaders to a lot of companies. So they just discontinue them and you don't know until you go to buy one. There are a variety of things out there from several OR type products, You know, we're still going through the issues with um, uh, tourniquets for specific procedures in the OR and things, but there's lots of products out there. And what the pundits sort of say is... We think it's only the tip of the iceberg, that there's more out there. We're just not learning about them right now. So not maybe a lot of transparency and things that need to be happen.
3: So just what are you referencing with that? You said tip of the iceberg for, tip the of the iceberg of for disruptions
2: and products not available. OK, that maybe people are scrambling and hope they don't have to divulge that. But what providers have wanted for a long time is a month or 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 two weeks, at least notice of there's a raw material issue here or are, you know, we had to recall or we had to disrupt something somehow. But here are some options for you. That's not what's forthcoming. So there's a lot of scrambling going on across the industry by every organization Um, And sometimes uh, the GPOs can really help, uh, sometimes others, but uh, there's no basic clearinghouse in which everybody finds out all this stuff at the same time. So marketing is really important.
1: It is very important. And as a guy that does marketing, I'd love talking about it. I I guess, are the GPOs not helping to consolidate or share any information about that?
2: Well, they they are as much as possible. They have folks that are like dedicated uh, more hours in a day than you can shake a stick at. Saying uh, their uh, providers are calling and saying, I have problems and how am I going to, you know, solve this because I have cases tomorrow and, and I only have enough for like the first four cases or something. So they have these lists and things they put out information, but every GPO is different and everybody belongs to different GPOs. Some people don't belong to GPOs or their self, um, you know, GPO and you know how that works, Scott. So, um, There's just a lot of disruptions out there. And uh, some of the meetings are happening um, uh, now, uh, face-to-face meetings. that are taking place all over the country. There's all those discussions are going on. And um, so it's not just roses. And it's not like every organization is open to, hey, we'll take all of the you know, product requests and, you know, we'll try to work you in and we're gonna adopt your product and do trials. There's there's a lot of halt still to a lot of that. And it has to do with all of these pressures on the providers. And then you talk about inflation. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not
3: a, a, a real rosy picture out there. Well, you know, I mean, I, I wanna add some of that, some to that uh, just in terms of freshness of, of data and information that's coming out. Um, we're, we're currently right now working on a very large voice to customer work, uh, project for a, for a large manufacturing organization. Um, and we're gaining a lot of information and, you know, just recently in speaking and it's all with, uh, particularly nurse leadership, um, and just overall hospital leadership. And some of the things that we've heard are mandates to reduce, uh, travel nurses, Um, so it's not even like a thing where here's the strategy of how you're going to accomplish this. It's how many travel nurses do you have on your staff? 10. Then you have to get to five. Uh, we don't care how you do it. We don't care what you do. You get to five by a certain time period. Um, oh, you've got coverage issues. You figure it out. Um, so that was something that we, we, we've heard that kind of a few different times, which is very interesting in response to the budget pressures that are happening. Right. And and we all know the travel nurses have inflated, but now it seems like the provider community is trying to press down on them a little bit, um, which is interesting. Cause one of the other things that we heard is the percentage of staff that is, quote unquote, new graduate graduates. Um, And this is in the provider community. Um, Today, we talked with a very large, prominent academic medical center in the United States, one that we all know. Everybody tries to do work with them. Uh, They do a number of studies, people try to work with them. And currently there is claiming that over 60% of their staff is less than one year into the profession.
0: Think about that,
3: right? Think about that from that perspective. Now, that, that she was representing that as being her and a cohort departments. Okay. So maybe it's not totally housewide, Um, but you know, we've heard over 50%, we've heard over 40%, depending on some of those areas, either which way this speaks to exactly how are you positioning yourself? What are you doing? Understanding that your customer Mm -hmm. supply challenges um also having labor challenges having all those dynamics play into it your customer and what they look like are having significant they just look different
2: right yeah And, and what's what i heard yesterday as well is people are saying and not only are they new nurses the ability to have a uh, common sense and be able to work through issues. So, if they were trained on a piece of equipment and something happens and you've got to change an accessory or something, they go, I, I, I only know how to use this. So, where are you getting me
3: that product? They don't know how to function and well, things. And that, this was
2: said by nurses.
3: So, <laughs> yeah. And with that, one of the things that we heard was because the new nurses today, we're talking March 2023 are still coming through training via the COVID time period. Okay. And as a result of that, almost all of their training was virtual. Um, you know, they're missing out on those key clinicals mm-hmm. that all people. And then, so they a don't have that clinical tacit hands-on simulation training a B. They don't know how to communicate with each other. Okay. And I'm not even talking like in a friendly type of way. They're also having trouble literally just understanding when, when do I ask for more? When do I not ask for more? What's the problem? How do I work in this environment? Right? So it it was really interesting to hear these answers coming about from a perspective of this is what's happening amongst our customer base. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Now I know that Scott wanted to bring all of this up so he could in, have insightfulness to I, all of this for our med tech folks out there. So Scott. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, um, I'm i glad to, to share some thoughts, but I
1: think it's really, this is really interesting. Like when you, when you look at what's going on in terms of who your customer is, they are fundamentally changing. And the thing that popped in my head as I was listening to y'all um, is Just just the 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 ripple effects that we're seeing right from what happened back three years ago. And like it's it is promulgated, to use a big word, promulgated all these massive changes that we really haven't gotten to the end of. Mm -hmm. What do you do if you have a nurse who has never had didn't have to have hands on training and now she's out there on the floor? um, And and what does that mean for your product, for your company and then uh, supply issues? here's here's what we were talking about and how it ties in so as you think about um marketing and how you're and ultimately we've been doing a lot of work and, and have a have a lot more work coming down to us about um positioning and sort of go to market strategy and that sort of thing and I think we're at a point where there's a lot of companies that are taking a pause there may be in the market right and you're selling you know I don't want to say stop selling because you're certainly not but but they're actually taking a deep breath to look deeper at who they are, what they're about, who their customer is, what the pain points are, what the value propositions are, that sort of thing, and and realizing what they were selling is not what their customers were buying, and um, that is a, uh, a a wild thing. Talking to a, a company that I have known for some period of time that has been phenomenally successful. When we got in to kind of pass the first couple of questions about like. Who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? And then started digging in on like, what do you know about your customers? They didn't they didn't know anything. They didn't have that background. They had just been really successful, right? Because they had found a need. And so I bring all this up in the context of as you're thinking about who you are, who you serve, and why you do it, understand that your value propositions have to change as the world around you changes. And so here's here's what I mean by that. If we have supply chain issues and you have knee replacements, let's say you're Zimmer Biomet, right? your ZB, there are tur- issues with tourniquets um, that may impact your clinical volume, right? your your procedural volume. So what do you do about that? And how do you as a company go and make sure that we have access? Now, ZB is probably not having a hard time, but if you're a company, a uh, you know, $10 million a year company where you're also in that procedure, how are you making sure that you're providing value? Can you help? Secure uh, procedure or, or the, the materials that are going on backwards, so that you can make sure that your cases get done um, and you know bundle them in or package them in, whatever the case might be. Can you think about some messaging around ease of use, and training? Um, right with platforms like Loom, you can shoot. And in fact, this was a a, a big project that I did back at uh, a very large medical device company that I used to work for. Um, we built a uh, a series of videos they were training videos and basically took the pre-existing videos that existed cut them into like 60 second or 30 second snippets and then put it on an ipad like that's what we did um, and it was incredibly effective in helping the field close more deals because not because people were using it in fact dirty little secret sorry hope i'm not this is years ago so uh, i think i can talk about it now um use of the product really wasn't that high. Like we rolled this thing out and the whole idea was like, hey, when you're doing a conversion, um, right? You're going from company X to company Y, we have a way to train everybody up and make sure that when you get into that situation where you've got a new nurse who needs to know how to use the product, she's not going to struggle as you know the patient's laying on the table. So that was the whole value proposition. The truth of the matter is nobody used it. Very little use, I should say. Very little use of, of the product. Even though we did a lot of work around engineering it, but we saw a substantial increase in deals closed where this was in the selling process because it gave people peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And so what does this mean for for the audience? I mean, you can shoot some videos on a Zoom call, cut it up, um, and make it available to people and that's now a value proposition that you can provide that your competitors may not be. Right? Hey, we we have a way to train people and make sure that if they have a question they can go to www.noquestions.com and they're going to be able to understand exactly what to do. Those are the kinds of things where you can create a value proposition that you may not have ever thought about. Right? You may be making I don't know diagnostic equipment or you may be making, you know, sterile water in a in a in a tube. But if you're able to create these sorts of things, because that's what the pain point is, you will see adoption. Uh, so anyway,
3: that was you know, Scott, I, I want to build on that for a second, because it, it's become clear in some of the work we've been doing lately. Um, mm-hmm. With that with that regard, uh, in, in one of the areas that we're working with in particular, there's a clear cut market leader, probably double the market share from the next five competitors all told. Yet the competitor and this is a legacy situation. The competitors are gaining leverage and chipping away, not because they've designed the next best product or because they've cut their cost by by 30%. They've Mm -hmm. recognized that the challenge right now is training. How do I train, especially these new nurses, these new physicians, how do I get them trained so these companies have placed greater emphasis Mm -hmm. on showcasing, hey, yes, we've got great products, they've got great products, we get it you know, our products work similarly. Here's some data to support that. But here's the thing is all of your people need more training. And we've emphasized and they have, they placed a lot of emphasis, a lot of investment into the development of their core training. Now, as you said, maybe you invest in it and 30% of it gets used, either which way, what we're hearing directly from these managers is I need support. And if industry is going to be the one to fill that void, I'm going to sit there and take it. Mm-hmm. And that's who I'm looking at now, less about the product, less about cost, who can support me in my time of need. Yeah. It's, it's
1: one of the few areas where you, uh, cause we're in a regulated industry, right? Like we have to have the approval and all that kind of stuff. And we all only recommend playing in on the white side of that line, because you don't want to be on the dark side. But this is one of those areas where in 30 days, you can transform your company. If you said, hey, we're going to we're going to buckle down, we're going to figure out we see that there's this need for training, right? We're one of seven people in a um, in an industry and we're fighting for share 30 days of of, of driven effort, you can have all the video testimonials and uh, trainings and all that kind of stuff and put it together, and now you're addressing a tremendous pain point for every customer that's out there. Um, I struggle with where else you could do something like that that quickly and, and transform your business potentially.
2: Yeah. yeah. Because I, I look for those types of things in those value propositions, as you were saying, because if you put a lot of companies in the same market side by side, what rises above. And sometimes, like you said, it's not the product itself. It's the culture or the way in which you understand the needs. And every one of those providers have different needs and you have to figure out how to assess what those are.
3: Yeah. yeah. One of the other things that I want to talk to talk about also is something that Barbara and I have talked about offline um, is the understanding of what drives behavior I feel like so many organizations that I'm speaking to today have the wrong construct of what's going to drive behavior amongst their customer base. Mm. And, you know, they are forgetting that at the end of the day, logic promotes thinking, Mm -hmm. but emotion promotes behavior, right? Yeah. So you've got to find a way to tap into people's emotional channels. What are they scared of? What's keeping them awake at night? Uh, we're hearing t- so many organizations talking, doing the same thing they've been talking about for the last thirty years. I developed a product. Feature X does this. Don't you need feature X? Instead of being like, "Hey, I know it's keeping you awake at night. Mm-hmm. This is your fear. What happens if that that situation gets compounded by three X? You sell." you sell the problem to which you have the solution to. And I think most people aren't getting that right. And in today's world, there's a lot of problems to be solved and there's a lot of technologies that can solve those problems, but everybody's still trying to sell the technology.
1: You know, what's interesting is um, because, and we do demand generation for medical technology companies, like that's what we do all day long. And um, the, the interest level, because we look at, you know, what a good measure of demand gen is leads, like how many qualified people say, yes, I will talk to company X. We have not seen a reduction in the number of leads being generated for the average client of ours. Um, despite all the headwinds that are going on with profitability and resourcing and staffing, people are still very much interested in having conversations about what the technologies are. It's just, I think to your point, Skender and Barbara, it, those conversations need to. are are not taking into account the reality that these leaders, right? We were talking about the chief uh, nursing officer for a very large hospital system who agreed to meet with one of our clients about one of their technologies. Um, She's not just concerned about the product, right? She's going to be concerned about how the heck am I staffing for, I mean, they have 30 some odd hospitals. um, So great potential uh, client uh, for this company. How she she's worried about staffing. She's worried about profitability and the ability to, to provide this care. And so this client needs to make sure that they're talking, not just about like, hey, it's widgets and look, we got a you know, X number of this thing versus you know somebody else. They they need to look at what are your pain points and how are we translating our language into what you're doing? And if you want to call that marketing, if you want to call that sales, you want to call that just good common sense, like that's the order of the day, is that translation piece? Yeah. What, and- what, Go ahead,
2: Barbara. I was just going to say that what companies can do Mm -hmm. is use the word assessment. Assessments are free, or they should be, but Mm -hmm. they should go walk a mile in their shoes. Mm -hmm. Go to Gimba, as we call it, and lean and stuff and say, I'll come in and look at what your pain points are. And I might have a solution for you by the time I leave that you haven't thought about because everybody's so close to the work they're doing.
1: So I have a story about that. Of course you do. (laughs) Of course I do. I have a story about everything. I also know uh, everything. Like there's not a city in the country where I can't be like, hey, I know something about that because Mm -hmm. I used to travel a lot because it's important, right? It's important to travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that Mercy did really well um, right. So I was with Mercy for the, everybody who's listening, that's not my mom. I was at Mercy for four years um, and had a wonderful time there. And one of the things that they did really, really well is they pulled information from provider from, from manufacturers. So I was with Medtronic and then they literally like asked me to come and teach about corporate innovation to Mercy ROI. And that's how I ended up there. But they did it with GE, they did it with a number of other companies where they'd say, Hey, I have this problem. How would you approach this? Mm-hmm. And it was incredibly insightful. I, I did it once I was inside, inside as well. It's incredibly insightful because providers and manufacturers do not think alike. So to the extent that you have relationships where you can get in and just listen to them and go to some gembas and join some stand-ups and just kind of walk a mile on their shoes, that is immensely valuable to understand what are those pain points and how do you solve them.
3: Yep. Yeah. But you, you know, you said something there, and I think it's they don't think alike yet today. That that narrative of being on different sides of the table, right? Mm-hmm. That old you have to scrap that. You have to find a way to sit on the same side of the table because both kids, both yep. want it, right? Yep. One of the, one of the things that was the most profound and simplistic thing that we've heard recently was, medtech is not going to where the clinicians are, and that's the biggest concern that we're hearing is they're still trying to be like, hey, let's do a lunch. Yeah, you could do a lunch all you want, but that's not helping anything, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, one of the other gripes we heard is, you know, they were really upset because they heard about a company talking about, you know, well, we're going to show that at the next big conference. We actually put together this $2 million simulation and wait until you see it. And, you know, the nurse manager was like, we don't have the budget to send anybody there. Right. So why did you spend $2 million on that? You're missing me mm-hmm. and my team on mm-hmm. that, right? And, and I think that's the disconnect is understanding that you have to go to where your customers are.
2: Mm-hmm. And this may fly against the face of maybe <laughs> Scott, what you're really trying to do, but you could be, an advisor, like you said, and it may or may not lead to a sale as a result of that, but people are going to remember yeah. who was there that helped them to work through situations and be a, a thought partner for them or something and be someone that they could call on that would have some ideas.
1: Yes, I, I agree with you completely. And I was telling somebody earlier today that. Um, as large as this industry is, it is still very much relationship driven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I was talking to—gosh, who was it? I was talking to somebody, and you know, uh, about a GPO and a uh, Vizient and something like that. And they were talking about, oh, you know, John Smith over there—he's now over here. Like, it is a a personality, relationship-driven industry that we're in. Huge dollars, very small number of people, and people remember. Right, Mm -hmm. they remember that. Hey, when times were tough, little you know Johnny came through and took care of us. And maybe that doesn't generate revenue today, but it does generate revenue tomorrow. And it's a good investment of your time, particularly if you're wise about where do you go, how do you do it, and how do you make sure that you're you're setting up folks for success. Perfect example, where to your point, Scander, where device reps or device companies and providers on the same page is in ensuring today. Uh, that procedure volumes happen. That procedures happen yes. because if you're doing knee replacements, right, or you got knee implants, and knee procedures stop because tourniquets are on back order, we got a problem. And so those are the kinds of things where everybody's on the same side of the table. We got to get patient care. We got to take care of people, and that's how you partner up and you become a hero, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I fully agree. And believe me, we've heard from some of those big big five. Uh, uh companies and that's mm-hmm. the number one thing they'll tell you you know if you looked at our earnings whether they were good earnings or they're bad earnings they're like our earnings were overshadowed by the fact that our customers can't get enough people to do mm-hmm. the volume of procedures yep. that could be there right so if they had good earnings they're like imagine what it would have been like if yeah. we would have been in a normalized procedure of volume right yeah. and if they had bad earnings they're blaming it all on the fact that there's nobody there to do the procedures and it's not doctors, right? It's techs. It's mm-hmm. nurses, right? That's who they can't get right now. and That's the challenge. Yeah.
2: Well, it goes all the way to sterile processing techs, all yes. of that. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because you, you think about what, um, and this is longer term, and maybe a little bit less popular to say, but um, if you look at why J and J owns the suture market i mean straight up owns the suture market it's because of the partnerships they have with academic medical centers and getting people from like day one doctoring with you know j&j suture and so as a result like how on earth it's hard to displace i was at i was at medtronic we were trying to figure out like how do you displace um j&j suture and it's hard to do because that's what everybody knows to be being a doctor right is is that kind of suture same thing with gloves. Right. where like, there's a feel to it. So why do I bring that up? Well, do you have a product or a capability that you can start to train folks on? Right. We talked about some training programs. Can you push that out through digital means to people get used to it and uh, adopt it and, and start to establish that in your space? I think it's possible today in a way that it was not possible, you know, even five years ago.
2: And that's where a lot of the niche companies are really making some inroads Mm -hmm. is because they do have that wherewithal about technology to train and do Mm -hmm. various things. Um, they probably have eight year olds working for them uh, yeah. that helps. But I, I think back at the song, uh, No One to Hold Them, No One to Fold Them. It, it, mm-hmm. Don't invest tons of money into something that's not going to yield whatever. Right. Spend money on the things that are going to make a difference.
3: And those things, per Scott's point, are yeah. the little things today right? Yep. Yep. There's still so many companies that are just thinking about, oh, if I come up with the next gen of X, Y, Z, I'll mm-hmm. own the market. And what Scott was saying earlier is no, you can still own the market with the current gen of X, Y, Z, just tweak the supporting things that you have, the supporting reasons that you are having with it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and we were talking about this before we started uh, rolling was, um, and we don't have time to get into it in great detail today, but um companies have life cycles, right? And, and you should think about where are you, what are the things you need to do from a from a life cycle standpoint, right? And one one of the things that I think we see a lot of is people don't spend enough time on market research and they also don't spend enough time thinking outside of the product. And I understand why, right? Like I worked for a venture capital fund and business school. I know, you know, I've seen the dollars and cents of what it is to get a company to market. It's expensive, but your widget is not going to sell if you don't know what people want to buy and you don't have a, the surrounding ecosystem to make it easy to adopt that technology. And to the point you just made, Skander, if you do have that, you are miles ahead of your competition because the funding constraints that you have, and we haven't made a, a Silicon Valley bank reference yet, but um, I <laughs> Go right? <laughs> Valley. hope your money's not there. Um, right. Hopefully, hopefully you can recover it, but um, you know, all companies all in our space have the same funding challenges, right? It's the reality of what people deal with. And so your competitors are no better off than you are right now. The question is, do you want to win? And if you do, which I like to win, and I'm sure you do too. It's important to figure out where's that, that advantage and how do you build around it? So I think that's kind of we're at a coming of age from a training perspective for, for a while soon. um, I know we're getting close to time and this has been a fun conversation. But uh, I'll turn it over to y'all. Barbara, any any parting thoughts?
2: So you said something interesting a few minutes ago, Scott, that the leads are still there. Yeah. Right? But I think what the leads are really for, two things. One is, is there a next product, service, something that's out there that we offer that can make things valuable to us and to our leadership and try to turn some things around. Second part of that is be sure you're going to those appointments with those leads (laughs) with the right information, do homework, have the right information that they're really looking for.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Skinder, what are are your thoughts? Uh, I think the key is think small. Right. Stop thinking so big about what you need to own the market. Mm -hmm. Think small. What are the small little steps that you can do that can allow you to chip away? You know, think about the idea of the Pee Wee Reese, hit them where they ain't. Look at the big 800 pound gorilla in your market and think about what is it that they're not doing? And chances are it's something small. Mm -hmm. And that little small could just be just enough to resonate. With a customer and give you that chance to get your opening yeah and and my final thought is
1: do something, right? So you heard it from two of the industry's great thought leaders. Um, do something with it. Go try it out. you know whenever you listen to it, if you're listening to it on a Monday morning, Tuesday morning or Tuesday, uh, have a plan, right? go and go and try some things out because it's only by trying these things and iterating and finding that some things don't work and some things do, that you get great at this. And that's how you drive your business forward. So um, on behalf of my uh, esteemed colleagues here on the call and the MedTech Business Academy, we hope that you have earned your MBA today and uh, have a great time. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank Thank you. of the day is you have to change as the world around you changes. Deferral of care and labor costs can play a huge factor when it comes to making the sale. By getting ahead of the supply chain issues and capitalizing on those, you can win some market share. Providing training solutions as part of your product package can be an opportunity. Your customer has changed. We have not gotten to the end of those changes. If you're not selling what your customer's buying, now is the time to take a deep look at what and how you are meeting those needs. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to having you on future episodes.